him here. Well, today I want to say a message that I want everybody to hear because so much of my life, all of my life has been in church. I don't know any other way to live than to be in church. I was, I've been in church all of my life, even before I was born. And um, I've seen a lot of things happening in the church throughout the years. And I want to try to bring this to a place to where we don't have to live in the ER and the ICU room all the time. I've seen this happen with a lot of Christians through the years. They, they get away from God, they come back, and man, they get into the ER, the ICU, they get shocked, they have this catharsic relationship with God. He wakes them up, revives them, they get on fire for God, and they're on fire for God for a little while, and then they're gone again, and then a few months they come back, and hit them with the paddles, and spiritually they're alive again, and they're on fire, and, and then, and I'm like, God, is that the way you want us to live? And he said, no, I do not want you to live in the emergency room. I do not want you to live in the ER. What if the only life you had was in the ER? Wouldn't that be terrible? You leave the ER, and you're like, I'm about to die. I better go back. Yeah, and all you have is this constant where they paddle you, shock you, clear, you know, and then you come back to life for a little bit, and then you get away, you don't eat, you don't drink, you don't do anything, don't take care of yourself, you're going to be back in the ER. I have found that that is not the way God wants us to live. He wants us to live a daily life in His presence. And I've seen people treat the anointing like that. I grew up in the assemblies of God. And they go, wow, we had a great anointing today. We did. But it wasn't any greater than on Saturday. We were just aware of the anointing. But I want to tell you today that we are to be anointed and live an anointed life 365, 24-7. I do not believe there's anywhere in the Word of God where I find, come in, get on fire, then, you know. Then, whoa, mountaintop, then valley, mountaintop. Then I find that nowhere in the Word of God. And so today I want, I want to preach and I want to teach because I believe we need to understand God and the anointing that He has for us. I believe that we are to live every day, every way in our life with the anointing of God upon our life. Every day, every way. I believe that God wants us to not have the great highs nor the great lows. I don't believe we should ever get burned out. For years I've had people tell me, oh, I'm just burned out. Hmm. Why doesn't the pastor ever get burned out? Why don't the leaders, the people who are always involved, why don't they get burned out? Then they say, well, I'm not burned out, but I'm burned up. What? How does this happen? I believe God wants us to live our life of consistency in His presence Every day. So what is the problem? Why do we have great highs and great lows and burnouts and burnups? What's the problem? If you take your Bibles, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 6, starting at verse number 18. It starts with a great question. But will God really dwell on earth with humans? Isn't that a great question? Will God really dwell on earth with humans? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you, God. How much less this temple 
I have built. Wow. Yet, Lord my God, give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence. That's a great question. They built this beautiful, elaborate, ornate temple, and yet can it contain God? Will you really dwell with humans on earth? Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 40 and following. Now, my God, may your eyes be opened and your ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Arise, Lord God, come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests, Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your faithful people rejoice in your goodness. Lord God, do not reject the anointed one. Remember the great love promised to, your, to David, your servant. God, give ear. God, listen. Open your eyes. And then it says, do not turn away from your anointed people. God will never turn from you. God will never abandon you. God will never leave you nor forsake you. So what's the problem? Look at this. Chapter 7, verse 1, following. When Solomon finished praying, remember this day? This is a beautiful time in the temple. The fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord that filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, He is good, His love endures forever. Have you ever been in that kind of presence of God? I have where people can't talk, where people can't really sing, they can't do anything, you just kind of melt in his presence. Yeah. Why can't we stay there? Why do we have these great highs, these great lows? So we find this in chapter 7. Man, there's a manifestation of God's presence. Fire, and everybody sees it. Those outside the temple, everybody sees fire. Sacrifices consumed. There's praise, there's worship, there's trumpets. The glory, the, in the Hebrew, Shekinah, the weight of the glory of God filled the temple. It was so heavy the priest could not minister. It was so heavy that everybody in town fell on their faces to the ground and they worshiped God. Wow, isn't that awesome? We long for times like that, don't we? Now, just... A little further, same chapter, same people. Listen to this. 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. How many of you know this verse by heart? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. What happened? What happened from... Verse 1 and following to verse 14. In verse 1, the glory of God's coming down. People are praising. Faces are on the ground in the pavement. Trumpets are shouting. The praise and worship leader is leading and everybody's following. And it is awesome. And the same people, the same crowd, 
with the same pastor, the same praise and worship leaders, the same trumpets, and now God is telling them, if you will turn from your wicked ways, if you will repent and turn back to me, then I will heal your land. What happened? They've gone from the high to the lowest low. And the way we read it in just a matter of a short period of time. Seek me. What's the problem? They went from glory to repentance. Today I want to teach you how I believe we ought to live as Christians. I love the first part of chapter 7. I've had a few of those experiences myself. But you can't live there. I, I don't like verse 14, but sometimes we're there. So I believe we're there as a nation today. We need to repent as an American nation and say, God, forgive us and heal our land because our land is sick right now. But what happened? Why did they go from glory, the high to the low? And I've seen it happen in Christians in the church all the time. And today I want to teach you a principle that I believe if you apply it to your life, you will not have great highs, you will not have great lows, you will not have ER and ICU room experiences, but you will live in the way God intends us to live in His presence in the anointing. It's called the manna principle. The manna principle. Remember in the Old Testament how God would give those that were in the desert Every morning, brand new manna, fresh manna. All they had to do for 40 years was go out, and he said, get just enough manna for today. With one exception, the day before the Sabbath, get enough for two days. But other than that, every morning, every morning, you go out and get manna for that day. Why? Because manna would go bad quickly. It would get stale. It would get rotten. It, it would have worms in it. All those things. And it would literally cause you to get sick. If you did not eat it every day. I believe that God has this principle. That we need everything in our lives from God daily. Daily. It's not a Sunday to Sunday thing. It's not a once a month thing. We're finding in America today that the average church attender attends. If we have our church and we want everybody in our church to attend church, it will take us six weeks for everybody to attend at least one service in America. Six weeks. That is not a principle that God has given to us. God has given us a principle that everything from him is daily. When Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he said this, Give us this day our daily bread. Paul tells us that we are to die to ourselves. How? Daily. Every day. Kill the flesh. Every day we need to have a fresh commitment to God. We must pray daily, read the word daily, Seek God daily. Humble ourselves daily. I want you to get that. If you know no other word from this message, there's one word. Repeat it with me. Daily. Get this. Daily. 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 
Maybe we need to get one of those prescription strip things where it has Monday through Sunday on it. Everybody puts the little pills in it. Maybe we need to get one of those with a little piece of paper. Read the Word of God. Pray the Word of God. Seek God's face. Humble yourself every Monday. Get it. Oops, I need to do that. I need to take that one every day. Because God says that fire needs fuel. Without fuel, you don't have any fire. So why do people get burned out? They don't have fuel. Every person I've ever talked to who gets burned out, the question I will ask them, are you daily reading your word and daily praying? No, Pastor, I've kind of slipped a little bit on that. But, but I'm really busy, and, and I've got a lot of things going on. And I said, yeah, yeah you've got a lot of things. Your fire's out. That's why. It's not God's fault. His anointing doesn't change. God doesn't move from us. So what's the problem? The problem is us. We need to learn the manna principle. Everything needs to be daily. The priests were in the temple daily getting anointed. They were in the temple. I preached about this for weeks. They were in the temple daily trimming the lamps, refueling them with oil because they said, never let the lamps go out. They needed trimming. They needed fuel every day. We cannot let our fire go out, church. This world needs you, this world needs me to be on fire for God every day of the week. We don't need people coming in here going, Pastor, preach me on fire. No, we need to walk in, entering his gates with praises, entering his gates with thanksgiving. Why? You don't need to sing a song to get me fired up. You don't need to preach a message to get me fired up. I'm already fired up, and I want God to consume me more as a consuming fire and burning me brighter, and I want to encourage somebody else in the house by the way I worship, by the way I praise, by the way I respond to the preacher to get on fire too because we all need to be on fire for God every day. We've got a world that's dying and going to hell, and they need somebody burning. This needs to be a passion. How can preachers preach a dull, boring message in the Word of God? I found nothing in here that is dull nor boring. We need fresh oil. We need fresh manna. Every day, if not, it gets wormy and stale. And guess what I found about Christians? If you don't stay fresh every day with God, you too will get stale. You don't have any new stories. You don't have any new experiences. I had a new experience this week, talking about tithing and stuff. This week, I, listen, this is a miracle. I took my vehicle to the dealership to get the oil changed. I went to go back up later that day to pay for it, and I walked up, and they said, Pastor, you don't owe us anything. What? This is a dealership. And they said, well, we, we, uh, we decided that you need to have this, and so we're just not even going to charge you. Isn't that amazing? I'm not their pastor. They don't know me. Actually, they didn't say pastor. They said Mr. Bardwell. And I was like, I left there, praise God. I called Sandy Amita. You're not going to believe what just happened. Why? I believe the anointing affects every part of our life, every day of our life. The Bible says, I will cause men to give to you. That's what the Bible says. I will cause it to happen. And sometimes we get stale, we get hard, we get crusted over, we get wormy, we get anemic. We get sick, and if that's you, you need the ER. You need a good 
to get you back to being alive again. But so many times, we've got people who are alive, but they're not living. They're not living. God is here for a daily anointing. The problem is not with God, but the problem is with us. So let me give you a little test. I'm going to give you 10 seconds, and I want you to breathe enough air to last you for five minutes. Ready? For the next 10 seconds, breathe as hard and as fast and as long as you can and save it up for five minutes so you don't have to breathe for the next five minutes. You ready? Go. See, I don't hear any breathing. Come on, let's go. Get it up. Here we go. Come on. Here we go. Here we go. And stop. Now, don't breathe for five minutes. Can't do it, can we? It's impossible. Pastor, we can't save up air. No, you can't. And guess what? You can't go from Sunday to Sunday without God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You can't go for every day without the Word of God in your life. You can't go a day without praying and saying, God, I need you to open your ear and be attentive. I need you to open your eyes and see what's going on in my life. God, I need the fire to fall in my life today and consume this sacrifice that I played up on the altar today. God, I need you to move in me and to live in me and to have your being inside of me today. I need you to direct my footsteps today. I need you today to take my mind and I take it captive to every thought that is not lined up with the Word of God. Today, God, I need daily bread. I need to forgive those who've trespassed against me, and the only way I can do that is with the daily anointing of the Holy Spirit. I need you. You cannot store up the Holy Spirit. You need to be refueled daily. Write this down. I put this in here. I think it's pretty good. If we do not come alive daily, we will daily live without our first love daily. We've got to not just live. We've got to be alive. The Bible says to be alive in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is every day, every moment, every hour. I heard the story when I was a child of this little boy that came to the Lord and he got saved. And he asked the preacher, said, so what do I do now? He said, well, live for God every day. He said, okay. So the next night he came to the revival and the preacher said, how did you do today? He said, oh, I found out I can't live for the Lord every day. He said, really? He said, why not? He said, because I tried living it just for the day. Then I realized I don't need him just for the day. I need him every hour. Then I realized I can't just need him once an hour. I need him every minute. Then I realized, you know what, God? I need you every second. Yeah. And sometimes we, we think we can do life without the anointing without the fresh daily man of God in our life. We can't, we need him every second. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What? The Bible tells us there's a way to live and not gratify all the desires of the flesh. How do you do that? You walk in the Spirit every second, every minute, every hour, every day. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do whatever you want. You say, well, you say, well I'm saved. Pastor, I don't have any struggles. I don't have any worries. I don't have any battle going on. There's nothing, oh, yes, there is. 
You may be saved and you may be filled with the Holy Spirit, but guess what? Your flesh did not get saved. Yeah. Your flesh isn't saved. Oh, your spirit is renewed. Your soul, your, your mind, your will, and your emotions, but your flesh is still contrary to the Spirit of God. They are at direct opposite ends. They are at war every day in your life and in my life. The Bible says our sinful nature is adversary of God, hates God in the Greek as satanos. I do not believe that Christians still have that nature because all things are dead, I've been told. Huh. Then why in the world do I see so many Christians gratifying the flesh? If it was impossible once you're saved, then why do so many people fall? Why? Because they do not stay walking in the Spirit. It is a daily, ongoing precept. Have you ever had your mind to wander? I have found that mine wanders when I'm the one not preaching. So I know yours does. During church, isn't there a battle to listen to the preacher and not think about what you're eating for lunch? Isn't there a battle to listen to the preacher and not go, did we lock the door or not? And then to wonder, what are we eating for Monday? <laughs> and your mind starts wandering, and some of your minds have wandered and never returned. Yes. Mind, mind sometimes goes on a walk and forgets to come back itself. But we have this flesh thing going on. Your mind has a mind of its own. And your flesh is in opposition to God. And guess what? Flesh delights in wickedness. Yeah. How many like history? Winston Churchill, remember that guy? Well, he was also quite an alcoholic, if you read history. And so one day he was uh, kind of inebriated, had quite a few uh, alcoholic drinks, and Lady Astor come up to him and, and she said, uh, Mr. Churchill, I think you are drunk. And he said, Lady Astor, yes, I am. But you are ugly. And tomorrow I will be sober. Yeah, the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. We've all had those moments we'd love to say something as, you know, the flesh. We've got to be alive in the spirit. So, how do we go from the glory to the gutter? How do we do that? James chapter 1, 14 and 15 says this, Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Every one of us, even though we get saved, filled with the Spirit of God, if we do not daily die to flesh, each one of us will be dragged away. I've seen it happen to too many good Christians. I've seen it happen to board members, teachers, great singers, great musicians. I've seen it happen to some friends of mine who are pastors. And you know what? When I talk to my pastor friends that have gotten dragged away, you know what? Every one of them, the common answer is, you know what? I was preaching but I wasn't reading my Bible for me. 
I wasn't praying for me. I wasn't dying daily. And they fell to temptation. I've had some of my friends, one of my friends, great friends, he was pastoring two churches simultaneously, took a helicopter from one service to another service. And then on a Wednesday night, he was preaching and the board members came up and said, this is pastor's last service and escorted him off because he was having an affair with a woman in the church. Yeah, don't, don't sit back and go, oh, not me. We are prone because we are in the flesh to get dragged away by our evil desires. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. For Demas, because he loved this world. You may say, well, who's Demas? Demas was a great friend of Paul. Paul said this, He has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Can you imagine being this close to Paul and seeing God do all these miraculous things miracles in his life, and then say, you know what? I've decided to walk away from God. I've seen people do it. How does that happen? They trade the presence and the anointing of God for going back into a lifestyle where their flesh is tempted and they get dragged away. Well, then how do we present, go, prevent going from glory to gutter? We have manna principle. We eat and drink the word of God Every day. Because the flesh resists the spirit and the spirit resists the flesh. And guess what? Our flesh does not like being controlled. Try to control your mind. It doesn't like it. Try to control your eating habits. Don't we all struggle with that? I call them pandemic pounds. I put on some pounds during the pandemic. It's not my fault. It's the world's fault. Yeah. We never want to accept responsibility, do we? Well, it wasn't my fault. It was her fault for looking so good. Or it was his fault for being so ripped. I mean, why? come on, Pastor. It was the temptation. The money was just right there. I couldn't, I couldn't help it. I mean, it's just right there. And, and no wonder we get dragged away because we keep so many temptations in our house. We invite this struggle. John chapter 11, look at this. This is amazing to me. Remember when Lazarus got raised from the dead? Wasn't that awesome? Lazarus, come forth! Boom! Grave clothes comes waddling out, take him out of the death clothes. Power manifestation of the anointing and the presence of God. And Jesus said, I delayed coming one day so you would know that I am the resurrection. And that's awesome. Now look at John chapter 11, verse 47 to 48. Then the chief priest and the Pharisees called a meeting. Don't you love meetings? What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take both our temple and our nation. You see, they were worried about position, power, and people. Three P's that will drag you out. Position, power, and people. And guess what? Today, still the same struggle. In your life, you worry about your position, your stature, your status in life. You worry about your power that you have of your life and over others. And you worry about the people that are in your life. We still have the same struggles. John chapter 11, verse 49. One of them said, he was named Caiaphas, 
He said he was the high priest and he spoke up. He said, you know nothing at all. You do not realize that it's better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and to make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. John chapter 12, verse 10. So the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well. Poor Lazarus. Come on. I mean, he's living, he gets sick, he dies. Four days later, Jesus comes along. Rise up, come out of there. He comes out, he's alive, he's going great. Jesus visits his house. There's lots of times there's visitation. And now, again, they plot to kill him. Why? Because he's burning, he's on fire. He's a testimony to the presence and the anointing of God. Wow. Pharisees, they represent Religion, can I tell you that religion also is against God? We can get so caught up in religion, we don't even need God because we have religion. It takes the place of God. We need relationship. And guess what? Relationship takes every day. This morning, I went into my office. I opened up my iPad. I was going to review my notes for today. And guess what was on my iPad with a little sticky note? I don't know how she does this. It's in my office. A little sticky note from my lovely little bride that says, I love you more. Yeah. You know why we've been married 42 years? Not because I told her I loved her on the wedding day and hadn't said it since. Don't be like that guy. Don't be like that guy that says, well, I told you I love you. When I change my mind, I'll let you know. Don't be that guy. You got to daily tell your spouse you love them. If you can, daily tell your kids you love them. Kiss them, embarrass them, hug on them. You got to daily keep that relationship. We got to daily have a relationship with God so that we know God and God knows us and we are the temple of God and He dwells in us. His home is in us. He lives in us. He doesn't just come to visit and leave on Sunday, but He lives in this place. He dwells. He comes in, sits down, and goes, Hey, Dwayne, how are you doing today? I'm going, Hey, God, how are you doing? Some people say, How do you pray? I pray all the time, literally. Not necessarily out loud, but I'm always thinking about God. I'm always got to, got to, and I'm always going through life. And during my part of every day in my life, I'm praying, God, this, God, that. Lord, before I walk into Walmart, you really need to pray before you go into some of these stores. Hallelujah. I had to pray going to the basketball games yesterday because there was a guy who was so obnoxious right beside us, and he was rooting for the other team. And had I been in the flesh, I got to tell you something, I'd have knocked him out. I'm bigger than he was. In the flesh, I was sitting there. I literally had to put my hands under my seat. And I told my wife, I'm also sitting on my mouth. Because he was making me mad. They got little six-year-old girls playing a game. And he's up there going, that's a foul. She's walking past me. I'm like, oh my gosh. Lord, help me here, Jesus. Anybody ever been in those Jesus moments? Yeah. Because the flesh was wanting to knock him out. Is it okay for a pastor to say that out loud? I might as well, I was thinking it anyway. It was so bad that a couple got up beside us and they left 
And they said, we want to apologize to this guy. He is so obnoxious. We cannot sit here anymore. So don't be that parent when you go watch your kids or grandkids play. But the flesh, I was having to resist saying something. Resist doing something. And had I not been full of the Holy Spirit, I might would have. Then you would have had me come into church with a black eye this morning because he would have been a professional in karate and jiu-jitsu and he, he would have beat me down in public. Pictures on the front page. Pastor gets whipped at a six-year-old basketball game. You don't want that. Pastor coming in with black eyes. and What happened to you? Well, I was in a fight yesterday. I started it. He finished it. But we must kill our flesh daily. Sometimes we see it in other people, but we don't see it in ourselves. Sometimes we see, oh man, you got a problem, you got a problem, you got a problem, you got a problem. But I'm good. Yeah. So here's the problem. It's our humanity. All you've got to do, look at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Let me show you one more example. Remember the church at Laodicea? Great church. If you ask those people that went to Laodicea, how's it going at church? Oh, it is awesome. We got a great pastor, awesome choir, praise and worship leader, wonderful voice, always stays on pitch. It's awesome. The offerings are wonderful. We've got money in the bank. The church is filled with people. It is wonderful. Yeah. We don't get too fanatical in our church because we want everybody to be comfortable. I remember as a kid going to church and I would invite a friend from school and I'm like, I'd be praying the whole time, God, please don't let sister so-and-so go crazy today in church and start that, Ooh, don't do that, Lord, don't do that. None of you have ever done that. None of you teenagers have ever done that. Don't let pastor get so crazy today when he's preaching. Because I got friends that are going to be here, and I don't want to be embarrassed tomorrow of them making fun of me. Oh, you go to that church with that crazy pastor? I don't want that. So we do everything proper. We don't need anything. Church at Laodicea went from the glory to the gutter. And had to have a letter written to them, and it said this, You've left your first love. Wow. God didn't leave them. They left God. Did the church empty? No, it's full. Finances? Oh, they're good. Singing? Wonderful. Sermon? Very good. He had three points, three illustrations, and three applications. It was awesome. And alliteration on each point. So I remembered it. They went from being alive to just living. Some people are just living. They're not alive. I believe we need daily manna. I believe we need the daily water that gives us life from God. Do you know that the body can go without water for only four days? And go without food for about 40? That's why Jesus went on that fast for 40 days? And yet some people try to breathe in enough air to make them last a week. If I get enough stored up, I won't need to breathe all week long. If I just go to church on Sunday, then I'm a good person, and I don't have to read the Bible anymore during the week. And I don't have to pray during the week, because I let pastor do that for me. 
I don't need to have praise and worship during the week because when I get to church, they do it for me. And I come to church going, hey, what are you going to do today to fire me up? What are you going to do today to get me on fire, to, to make me feel good? And listen, when we come to the house of God, it's not about you receiving. It is about you giving praise to your God, your Father. We enter his holy place to worship. And sometimes the worst thing is to be happy and be content. So here's one more thing. I want you to write this down. If you take notes, write this down. In our distress, we turn to God. But in our success, we turn from God. I have seen financial blessing on families and they don't come back to church. Oh, that's only for when you got a problem. ER, ICU. I've seen families to where everything gets fixed in their lives. Their kids are great. Their marriage is great. The finances are great. The jobs are great. They've lost weight. I mean, they're looking good. Everything's fine. And you don't see them in church. But when they're in distress, the first place they run is to the emergency room and the ICU. And that's not how God intends us to live. The pattern is over and over and over and over and over in the Word of God. There's a great guy who came into power by the name of Asa. When he came into power, the first thing he did, he returned the people to God. He got rid of all of the idols of worship, got rid of all the Asherah poles, all those things, tore them down and returned the people to God. There was a great warrior by the name of Gideon. First thing he did was return the people back to God. But by the time Asa and by the time Gideon got old, guess what? The people had walked away from God under their leadership. What a tragedy. I mean, we know Gideon, right? All of us want to be there when, when just a few hundred guys... I mean, they're in the dark, they're silhouetted, and they got fire in the little, you know, and then all of a sudden he said, when the, bust that, man, we're going to, and they won with 300 people, and they beat thousands upon thousands. That's great. They returned to God. But before Gideon left, people had turned their back. The Bible tells us that we are prone to leave the God we love. That's what we're prone to do. As sheep, we are prone to wandering off from the shepherd. We drove through some beautiful parts of Oklahoma yesterday going to Bartlesville. And guess what? Pastures and pastures of cows. And guess what all the cows were doing except maybe one or two. But 99% of them, guess what they were doing? Head down, eating, walking Never looking up. And I told Sandy, I said, wouldn't it be horrible if you were a cow? You just live your life with your head down, just going to the next little patch of grass, next little. But everything in the word of God says this, lift up your eyes into the hills from whence cometh your help, because your help comes from God. Do not be discouraged but be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We are more than conquerors through Christ. We are the ones who rise up 
above religion. We rise up above the flesh and we worship God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We become more than. God does more than in our lives. Why? Because we daily confront the flesh. All of you have known people that were once in the church, right? On fire, and now they're not. Oh, they got plenty of excuses, believe me. I have been the reason for a lot of people to sin. Well, the pa- we're not going to that church more because of the pastor. I've been, that has happened in every church I've pastored. Yeah. You know why? Because they don't want to accept responsibility. Oh, I don't like the way they sing there, so we'll go over here, and then they go there, and then they go there, and then they go there. And the Bible tells us we are to be planted. Plant. Find yourself a church, get planted in it, because only when you are planted can you bear fruit. So we use all kind of excuses. Well, I can't go to church there because of this and that and the other. And, this. and so what do they do? Don't go to church. Oh, some of them that are so super spiritual, guess what they do? They start their own church. We can do the same thing at our house. Except the word of God says this. Do not forget the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because we need to encourage one another. And the Bible says you need to get together even more as Christ's return gets closer. And guess what we've done in America? We've gotten together less and less and less. So no wonder it's easy to get discouraged when the average church takes six weeks to cycle everybody through one time. No wonder we get worn out, burned up, and burned out. No wonder we say, I don't know where God's at. I don't think that God's listening. I don't think that God can. No wonder sometimes we respond like that. Why? Because we are prone to wander from the God we love. It takes a lot of effort to be in relationship, doesn't it? It's taken a lot of effort for her to stay married to me for 42 years. Hey, hey. And it's going to take me a lot of effort once I get through preaching this message to get everything square with her. It may cost me a little bit. I don't know. But I got to tell you, things that are worth it take work. I've seen a lot of you have beautiful flowers at your home. Guess what? You work at that daily. Some of you have kids that expect you to feed them, not just once a day, but three, four, five, six times a day. Can you imagine a kid wanting that much attention and that much food? And yet, when it comes to God and relationship, uh, we're going to church, I don't know. As a father in the house, as a mother in the house, whichever you may be as a leader, you get your family together and say, we need to pray today. Pastor, my family would faint if I did that. Hey, let them start fainting. Yeah. You know why? Because after a little while, they'll go, well, aren't we going to pray today? Aren't we going to read the word of God today? I love it whenever I engage my wife, my family, my kids in the Bible. There's so much in there that you don't know about. There's so much in there that I don't know about. I learn something new all the time. And here is the question. Will God dwell among humans? Yes, he will. He wants to dwell among humans. From Genesis to Revelation, one little sentence encompasses it all. God says this. 
I want to be their God and I want them to be my people. Genesis, if you want to wrap the Bible up in one sentence, that's what it is. It is God wanting to be our God and for us to be his people. Relationship. Everything that God has done is so we can be in relationship. When we sinned in the garden, we were separated from God. What does God do? Send down his son. So we can once again be the temple. Can this temple contain all that God is? No. Can't contain God. But guess what? I invite him in every day. Sometimes my flesh doesn't want it. But it's a discipline. I've seen some of you work out daily. How many know if you work out once a year, it doesn't really work that well? Well, I worked out January the 2nd, so that should be good for the year, right? No. Well, I ate kale one day this month, so I'm good, right? No. It's daily. Daily. How do you stay in the presence of God? Manna every day. Read the Word every day. Pray every day. How do you not get burned out, burned up? Be in the presence of God. Get that wick trimmed on your lamp and that oil put back in every day. The psalmist said, early in the morning will I rise up and seek thee. I told somebody out there at the cafe, now listen, this is getting serious. Because I go to the cafe before church and listen, I need me some liquid Jesus. So I go to the cafe and you guys had drank up all the liquid Jesus. And I go out there and I'm like, i got three minutes. I've got to have some coffee. I've got to have it right now. Let's go. Because you know what? I think I really heard God tell me one morning, son, don't pray so early. Get a cup of coffee first. <laughs> That's just me and God. we got our own little thing. But you may go, I'm not a morning person. Then don't mess with God early in the morning. He might hurt you. But maybe do it at night. You find the time. You find the place. You, you make that place a place that's where you and God. You may say, but pastor, I'm not a pastor. I don't, have, I don't have a way to have an office. Guess what? When I get to church, it is too late for me to be in the presence of God. I better get it before I get here. Because when I get here, guess what? These girls in the office, all the people in the office, all the daycare staff, all the administration, as soon as I get here, I get a cup of coffee. And then I say, okay, now let me have it. And it starts coming in from all directions. So it's too late if I wait to get here to be alive and not just living. Stand with me today. If I give you a quiz leaving church today, I'm going to give you the answer. What did pastor preach on today? You just need one word, daily, daily, daily. How do we live a relationship with Christ? Daily, daily. Do you need to eat? Yes, daily. Drink water? Yes, daily. How do I have this where I don't have the highs and the lows? I daily get manna from God. You see, I found as a pastor, wouldn't it be terrible 
if I came to church and I was just burned out, I'm like, you know what, guys? I'm just not in the mood today. I'll tell you what, I'm just going to, I'm going to preach on hell today. No. No. But I found I can't be a good pastor if I'm not a good Christian first. And today we're going to partake of the Lord's table. I love this. You know what it does? It reminds me. He said, don't forget me. Remember me. How many of you know it's sometimes easy to forget somebody once they're gone? It's easy to forget a relationship if you move away from somebody. There's been times in mine and Sandy's life we've moved away and we said, we're going to call each other all the time. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. And guess what? It's hard to do. And most of the time, over time, we lose that relationship that was so dear. But Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, he took the cup, and he said, I want you to do this so that you don't forget who I am and how much I love you and what I've done so that you no longer come to the temple to visit me once a year, but I dwell in you daily. So take the bread, take the cup. They're going to sing a song. While they're singing it, I do it myself. I say, God, if there's anything inside of me that's unpleasing to you, Father, forgive me. Wash me, cleanse me, purify me white as snow. Father, today, I repent daily. Take that time as they sing this song. And let's get ready to partake of communion.
God's not the problem. It's our humanity. It's our flesh at war with the Spirit and the Spirit at war with the flesh. We've got to take time to daily get in His presence. To daily eat the Word of God. To daily let the water of the Holy Spirit flow into us so that we have rivers of living water flowing out of our bellies. We've got to know that relationship is everything. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he lifted it up and he broke it and he blessed it. He said, this is my body. Today we remember the body of Jesus Christ. It was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our sins. The Bible says that he took the penalty of sin upon himself so we do not receive the penalty of our sins. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Today, Father, we lift the bread. We remember your body. It was beaten. It was bruised. Your hands were pierced. Your feet were pierced. Lord, the crown of thorns was smashed into your skull. The stripes upon your back were for my healing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't want to ever forget what relationship cost. Relationship cost something. It cost everything. God, never let me be in religion with you, but God, may I be in a daily relationship with you. I remember this body, and I give you thanks for it. Let us eat together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for the provision for my healing today. Hallelujah. The same manner he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. This is not the bull, blood of bulls and goats or pigeons, but this is the blood of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. This represents the blood of Jesus Christ, who was born and was tempted in every way, yet without sin. Hallelujah. The blood that doesn't cover my sins, but it removes it as far as the east is from the west. The blood where the pen is dipped in it and my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and nobody can take that out. Hallelujah. Today we remember the blood. It is not diluted. It is not weak. It is powerful. Hallelujah. To the pulling down of strongholds. To the delivering of addictions. It is powerful to bring me out of darkness into life. It is powerful to cause me to be alive and not just be living. It is powerful to give me strength in my weakness, to make me an overcomer in my struggles. Today, to help me to destroy the works of the flesh and let the Spirit of God be alive and living inside of me today. Hallelujah! It's powerful today. It is not weak, but it is powerful. Today we remember the blood. Let us drink together. Hallelujah. Take that cup and lay it down. It's all right. It doesn't matter. Can we just lift our hands right now? Come on. If your flesh says don't do it, come on. Get power over your flesh right now. And lift your hands and lift up your eyes and lift your voice. And you begin to tell God how much you love Him. 
How much you thank him for relationship? How much you know that without him, you'd be nothing? That without God, your life would be destroyed? That without his power in your life, you would be headed away? You might already be dead by now. But because of the living power of an anointing in your life, because of strength from day to day, you stand in this house. You stand in his presence, anointed by the power of God, called a child of God, name written in the last book of life. I think it's time for the church just to give me praise for just a little bit. Come on, just give him a little bit of shout. Make somebody else by you catch your fire if they're burned out and burned up. Come on, praise him just a little bit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on, just praise him in his house. He desires the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, it reaches. Sing that hallelujah. Oh, it reaches to the to start preaching. I feel like I'm ready to preach now. Let me tell you something. You need that anointing because when you're at your house and you don't have a doctor and you don't have a pastor, you need to pray for the sick to be healed. You take your hand and you place it upon that little girl, that little boy. You place it on your husband and your wife and you say, God, you heal them by your stripes. When you're on that deathbed and you're about to go through that valley, Jesus We sure hope you were blessed by Pastor Bardwell's message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.